Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Velma on the line. Velma, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Michael. How are you? I am awesome. Really looking forward to this conversation because you and I both uh, drink the leadership Kool-Aid. So we really want to hear about you and, and the work you do. So the floor is yours. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you to your listeners to be on The Breakfast uh, Leadership with uh, our good friend Michael here. It's a pleasure. Well, uh, just a little bit about about me. For those of you that don't know me, um, I, I always tell people I think I'm having an identity crisis because I was originally born in the islands of the Bahamas when the islands were under the British ruling. So I always say I was born a Brit. And then in the 70s, the uh, uh, country went independent. So by law, I became a Bahamian. And then in 2006, by choice, I became an American citizen. So I have that kind of three-prong identity crisis there. And uh, so I always like to say that that's where, you know, I, I came from and a little bit of the you know, the heritage and the culture from each of those uh, those particular countries. And so now the United States is home and I live in the Florida area. So uh, Bradenton, Florida area. So just to love the the the, uh, the coast side here. Yeah, I'm a big fan of of the West Coast of, of Florida. Uh, nothing, well, you know, nothing against you know, the Atlantic side, but, you know, the Gulf Coast, uh, the water's warmer and it's, <laughs> and, it, and it's, it, it's just, you know, the air, it, just everything about it, you know, is, yeah. is good. I've spent many, many, many times in, you know, Fort Myers, Bradenton, Tampa, you name it. Right. A good, coll- good colleague of mine is down in Tampa right now. And, uh, you know, he, he's, and he's like, when are you coming down? I said, find me a speaking gig. I'll come down. <laughs> Although, I, 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 you know, I, if, if I'm going to be going on a leisure trip, I have to bring, you know, my, my lovely wife too. And, you know, exactly. it's like, and, and her, you know, she's only got so much vacation time to use. So, you know, with me being the entrepreneur, you know, I can pretty much take a vacation whenever I want to. Now, of course, that means business, you know, may not get done in exactly. certain things, but, but, you know, that's, that's when you delegate. Uh, but, mm. you know, but, you know, that's, it's first world problem to say the least. <laughs> uh, so, so let's talk about leadership and you, you've sure. written books about leadership and, yep. and, and we talked about a little bit in the pre-show on how critically important leadership is. And yeah, you know, I, I don't want to say that it's never been more important because, you know, that's pretty, you know, it's not good for me to say that because I have not lived through all of the challenges of, you know, what it's been like on planet earth over the history of humanity, but it's pretty challenging time for a lot of people right now. So, you know, what got you interested in, in, in working in the leadership space? Oh, and well, it, it's interesting because I think I, I'm on this quest to demystify what leadership is all about when, you know, when I grew up and then went to work and I got into business, I always thought leadership was about this position that you had. And I think most people gravitate to that. It's a position because the title sometimes defines that. But in essence, it took a lot of wrong turns and wrong uh, decisions for me to find out that true leadership is really about solving problems. 
And it's about adding value to other people. And so, Michael, I spent a lot of time, even with the leadership title, focused on how am I going to, you know, get these projects done? When in reality, I wasn't taking into consideration the people side of things. And it was only until, you know, I came to that turning point of realizing that, you know, getting more done in life is better when you go together as a team and that a leader truly brings people together. They don't just do projects and lead projects, but more importantly, they lead people and those people together lead those projects. So it's just put me on this quest to really be a student of leadership and to make myself a better leader. It's great work to do that. And I agree with you that, you know, leading people and, and this is something that I've subscribed to ever since, you know, I yeah. entered the leadership space was, you know, leaders make leaders and, and, and do it in a way where you are coaching, you know, and, 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 and coaching people, whether you're working in an organization or as a executive coach or advisor, you're coaching people. Um, the greats were coached and, you know, no matter in everybody's opinion of who the greats are, you know, but in sports or in life, you know, there's those people that stand out and, you know, they were mentored and they were shown things and in a way to do it. You know, a lot of people say, well, if I train them too much, they might take my job. <laughs> well, if they're better than you, they should. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people's egos get in the way. And, and right. as a leader, a true leader, sometimes you have to take your ego and say, okay, back in the file cabinet, please, because mm-hmm. we we have a bigger mission sure. as a leader than just you know leading, you know, for our own self-interest and ego. It's to mm-hmm. to improve. It's to add value, as you said. It's to mm-hmm. Leave it better if you do leave the organization better than how you found it. You know, kind of mm-hmm. like using that's kind of like using a campsite analogy in a way. It's like clean up the campsite after you're camping and make sure that it's cleaner than when you found it. And yeah. uh, it, it's the same way with leadership. It's like help help people be able to help people and your clients and your customers mm-hmm. in society, and we all benefit from that when we do that. And we approach yeah. it that way. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very beautifully said. And I love the analogy of the campsite because you're exactly right. Uh, you know, you going into an organization to make the organization better. And the greatest thing that you as a leader could do is to add value in a way that you don't just make the organization better, but you make the people better for it. Um, because that will translate into better customers and better members that you are serving, which lifts the entire organization. So the timing of this recording, we're still kind of in this flux of yeah. quiet quitting, great resignation, people kind of shifting around and, and all of that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what, what was the driving force behind people quitting or quiet quitting or, or leaving their jobs? What, what are some of the insights that you've seen in, in some of the organizations you've been working with? Yeah. So, you know, good question. And I think we're getting to a place where originally it started with this thought process that we're under this great, you know, uh, resignation era, if you will. And, you know, we've got all these people, you know, that are making decisions to to leave the workforce or, you know, to get different jobs and so forth um, and to look at their career differently. And a lot of things has has kind of driven us to that point. But I, I really believe that it's beyond a great resignation. 
And what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing with people and other leaders that I talk to as well in this space and clients is that it's truly a great re-evaluation. And so what I mean by that is it going back to, you know, what is more important in my life? What really matters? What's the value? What's of value to me? You know, and so that's where, uh, you know, this major pandemic that worldwide we've been under and we've faced and pulled through together. People have stepped back and said, you know, you know, what's really important? What are my values? And I think they've reassessed not just the work environment, which is where you see the greatest fallout and we hear about it because, of course, it impacts our economy, but also in their life, you know, people are doing things differently around taking care of themselves, taking care of their families, truly taking vacations, you know, celebrating the things that matter most. Because I think what is truly of value has become to the forefront, um, uh, regardless of the generation that you represent in the workforce. That's well said. And I think some observations that I've seen, too, and when a lot of people look in this, well, especially in this instant gratification world that we find ourselves in and our attention span keeps getting shorter and shorter. We all look for the singular reason why it's doing this, and it's not singular. There's so many different ingredients to it. One, obviously, the pandemic. There's you know people that became full time caregivers after the pandemic started because of you know loss of life of loved ones and other situations. Also, there were a lot of people that were close to retirement age mm-hmm. that were you know working remotely for a little bit, and mm-hmm. they started to basically practice retirement like okay this is what retirement feels like and a lot and a lot of them went i really like this yeah they look they crunched the numbers they you know talked with their financial planners hopefully and they said yeah you'll you'll be able to swing it it's only you're going to get this as far as your your income but you could do something you know part-time maybe to supplement it for a little bit and ease into it and a lot of people said you know what i want to do that so you started to see a lot of close to retirement people deciding to you know punch out early and, mm-hmm. and leave and that left some pretty significant voids in in certain industries that historically have not done a great job of marketing and branding themselves so the, now they're scrambling to recruit people uh, to the industry. I, I spoke at a couple of conferences last year. One was uh, in the grain industry, so grain elevators and things like that. And they, you know, they said that you know they have done historically a tough or not the greatest job of branding and marketing themselves because for years, generation after generation would just work. My grandfather worked in this industry. My dad worked in there. And then, sorry, I went to the Southern accent. I've got Southern family in my thing. So sometimes I slip into it. I don't do it all the time, but but just they, they get into that. And then all of a sudden, you know, this generation's like, I'm not getting up at that time of morning to do that. No, thanks. So now they're like, wait a minute, we just lost 20% of our workforce. How are we going to recruit? And of course, compensation wise, you know, they're scrambling with that. And another industry too, I I spoke at a wastewater conference last fall and they were the same. They said, we've done a poor job in marketing to people because we never had to have any difficulty finding people. Now we are. So there it's a learning curve for them in this world of you can't 
you know, place an ad for a job posting and they're like, we don't know how to, (laughs) you know, like, did I, did I go into a time machine or something? It's like, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, here, here's how you, you know, post something on monster indeed. Like, Ooh, what? And it's like, okay. So, but again, you know, those industries are struggling to find people and they're, you know, they're going to, they're going to find people. And as I tell people, especially when I talk with teams that are struggling to find people or people that, you know, they want to work remotely, they want, don't want to come in all the time. We're in this adjustment period and Mm -hmm. it's not set. And that bothers us because we want things instant, instant gratification. We want to binge watch our shows. We want to go on our phones and order something and have it be at our door in a half an hour. We're used to that instant gratification. Well, there's certain things in life that aren't instant. They're messy. They take time. They're not clear cut. And that's where true leadership comes in to explain. It's like, look, this is going to be an interesting I use the word loosely interesting time for a lot of us because we're going to have to navigate through these things. And ultimately, when I tell people, you know, that whether they're remote or hybrid or in person all the time, I said eventually it's all going to, I don't want to use the word normal, but it'll normalize a bit where you'll find your happy spot for your organization yeah. at that for, for a period of time. Don't stay stagnant because if you do, your company's going to go out of business because. I saw the stat, it was over 50% of the Fortune 500 companies right. in the year in the year 2000 have either gone bankrupt, out of business, or were acquired by another organization. Wow. That's half of the Fortune 500. Yeah. Those are the top 500 companies worth the most amount of money on the planet. Wow. And half of them are gone wow. in 23 years. So any organization that thinks, ah, we'll just, we'll ride through this. We don't have to make any adjustments. Yes, you will. Cause the world continues to evolve and change and your organization needs to as well. And we don't know what to do. It's like, well, cool. Here's the core first question or first idea. Ask your customers, what do they want? I know that seems silly, but why don't you ask your customers what they need and serve them and your employees ask them what you can do as an organization to make the organization better for them. And these are not difficult questions to ask, but for some people, they certainly seem to be. Well, I think because they're maybe new, you know, sometimes you, you're exactly right. We, we, as uh, leaders become, you know, complacent because of success. And success has a way of doing that. It makes you comfortable. And so when things get out of uh, a sorts and you feel like things are uncomfortable, it's like, well, wait a minute, you're just, you know, you're shifting things and I'm not ready for that uh, because to, to you know, to credit to leaders, if they're successful and they're doing things right, and the question is, well, why would they change things? Well, when things start changing on them, it's the question is, well, what do I do now? And and I think that's you know um, understandable because there's been so much different type of uncertainty. But I also think those leaders that have decided to embrace change and to look at change as a form of innovation and progress, um, and then rally the troops. Then you're going to solve problems together, and that's what's going to right size the organization to take it forward. Yeah, I love that leadership style. It's like okay, everybody have input, and yeah, it reminds me of 
uh, maestro Roger Nirenberg. And I, I reference Roger quite a bit on this show about how he does work uh, in the consulting space. And he's a former <laughs> conductor of the New York Philharmonic Orchestra. And mm-hmm. what he does is he goes into organizations and he brings an orchestra with him, a small one, of course. And he sets up an orchestra pit for the musicians to assemble and and start to play music and he has the employees or the team sit in the orchestra pit and of course when they first start playing it sounds like a fourth grade band you know in Mm -hmm. september no harmony no rhythm nothing it sounds atrocious and then they they get everything together and the horns and everything else gets in sync and it sounds great the harmonies are awesome so everybody's like oh that sounds amazing and then what he does is he brings those employees up to the podium where he is and he has the musicians play the music again and they are absolutely blown away on how completely different it sounds from roger's vantage point than from the pit and he Mm. said that he said that's a leadership analogy as a leader I'm up here. I see mm-hmm. things from this area. The you know the team they're in a different part of the business and the different part of the building. They see things this way, and mm-hmm. that gap is where the magic happens. To right. be able to communicate those things and figure out what makes sense to yes. be able to lead the organization. So leaders, you need to talk with your team. Your team needs to talk with the leadership in a safe and growing environment with the singular cause of what can we do to benefit our customers. And you do that, you can navigate through crazy times like we've experienced over these last few years and you know whatever we have coming forward and i don't have a crystal ball or a magic eight ball to say okay what's going to happen in the next year i i have some ideas i have some concerns i have some we'll see but uh if anything one of the things we've learned over these last few years anyway is just when you expect something to do something, something else comes up or something else changes. So it's you just have to be agile as best you can and and navigate through those waters the best you can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well said. So in in your books, what you know, what's your favorite? I mean, it's like asking you know, pick your favorite kid kind of thing, and you shouldn't do that. But what what's your favorite you know part of one of your books that you know really resonates with you every time that you're working with a team or or reflecting on that book? Well, I, I think there's two things probably of the seven steps in the Valuable Leader, which are steps that may seem foundational, but again, without a strong foundation, when you do have those challenges in leadership, you know, if you don't have that strong foundation, then things are going to crumble and then you wonder why. So I think the two things that I would bring up that I believe that is fundamental for any leader to kind of keep you on your true north is one in the, in the chapter and one of the chapters, I talk about the importance of development. And we always hear, you know, leaders are learners, you know, they're readers, but there's two sides to development because you as a leader can only take your organization as, as, as high as your growth. So when your growth stops, you're actually limiting the growth of your organization. So I think it's imperative for any leader to be a continuous uh, learner and growing, you know, growing themselves and their leadership abilities so that they can help take the organization to the next level and the next level. But the other side of that coin is that if the leader is the only one growing, and they're not taking their people with them, then it's going to be a pretty lonely position at the top. And so 
the importance of leadership is to develop other leaders. And I think you said that very clearly. You know, it is not, I don't think anybody wakes up, uh, you know, as a child and they're growing up and they're playing and they say, you know what, Michael, when I grow up, I want to be a follower. Nobody says that. Everybody says, I want to be a leader. And so people want to be a leader. And I think, you know, this, this whole leadership has kind of got this, you know, cloud over it and it, it becomes some kind of a mystery, but it really is not. It's about truly adding value and adding value to people and your organization, people inside and outside, the employees, the leadership and your customers. But it's also, you know, about, um, in addition to adding value, it's about truly caring for people. So I think that development side is critical um, and it's a well-rounded development, the leader and the people. And then I also think another thing that's near and dear to my heart is that, you know, they always say that knowledge is knowing what to do, but wisdom is applying what you know to do. And uh, uh, another area, another chapter in the book I talk about is uh, about taking action. And so if we do nothing, if we do nothing with everything we know, it's nice to know. But you have to make the rubber meet the road. And that's where you start putting what you know into action, taking steps and learning from those steps. But that's the only way to move the organization um, and to move the people in that organization forward. So take action. Yeah, it's really important. And it's mm -hmm. for the well-rounded leader. I love that because... You can be really good at strategy, planning, yeah. growth, and all of that, but you have to include the entire team. And if you don't, like you said, it's very lonely in a leadership role unless you've got you know fellow peers in the organization or you've got peers in other organizations. But even then, yeah. it... it <laughs> It, it it isolates you and it creates silos and and that's that's not the type of leader that I've wanted to be. I want to be one that knows what's going on, you know, in people's lives yeah. at the comfort level that they want to share. You know, I'm all about boundaries, but it's like what are they comfortable sharing and understanding you know, this is what motivates these individuals. This is what you know, they get out of this. Create the environments where people can thrive and yes. grow. And you coach them, you guide them, and you you give them all the tools they need to do their job. And then you stay out of their way. You make sure you're available to them, but you you let them do things. And you're going to have people that are don't always want to engage with you. And there's going to be some people that are I don't want to say hiding, but you know they're off doing their thing and they're doing great work. And you you check with them, make sure everything's good. And it is, and you know, everything's great and they're comfortable doing that. So that's what makes a team really dynamic is when you have different, different players, you know, I think of, you know, I'll pick on the New York Yankees for a moment in the nineties when they were winning all their world series prior to that, a few years right. before that Steinbrenner, you know, was, you know, they were spending so much money on their players and they were, they had that team loaded up with premier all-stars and they didn't win. They didn't win the World Series. They spent all this money and all these other teams that didn't, you know, were winning the World Series. They weren't. And then finally, they started adding some character players, decent players. You know, if you make the professional leagues, you're, you know, you are very elite. But, you know, we know the grades. There's all-stars and then there's people that would never be an all-star or a Hall of Fame type of player, but they made it. 
they they started sprinkling in some of those personalities in the team and they had the right management team and the right players and it gelled and you know they won several championships in a very short period of time because they had all the you know different pieces and it's you know from a leadership analogy you look at that's like you need each one of those types of roles to make the whole thing be a success and organizations that can grasp that can really shine and do some great things for the customers yeah yeah absolutely so velma i've loved this conversation where can people find out more about you your books and everything else you're doing well, you, it's pretty simple. If you just know the name Velma Nolts, you can go to velmanolts.com. And I uh, also, you could get the books there or Amazon. Of course, you can get them on Amazon. So anyone would like to connect, connect on velmanolts.com and we'll connect through other social media from there. Awesome. And I'll definitely have that in the show notes. So Velma, always great talking with you. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you so much, Michael. And I appreciate being with you too. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.